Welcome to Ruthless. So we're sorry that uh, this is coming out a little later than it ordinarily does. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, events kind of unfolding uh, warrant it. It's like, you know, we could put the podcast out and an hour later, a hundred different things happen. So we're, we're actually trying to catch up and, and, and put this out at a reasonable time. And after we've had some time to think, I mean, about the million things that have happened over the past, you know, couple of days. Yeah, we didn't want to give any hot takes. We wanted to think about everything that uh, everybody's seeing uh, and provide some honest analysis. You know, I, I, in retrospect, I'm really proud of the show that we did on Tuesday. I feel like if our country had more uh, opportunities to have those kind of discussions that the Ruthless audience does, we probably never would have had anything happen like it happened yesterday in Washington, D.C. Oh, uh, damn, that's a, that's a really good point. If you have not listened to it's what episode twenty three, I think the Tuesday episode. Uh, I am I'm very proud uh, of of that episode. You know, in hindsight, it's uh, I feel like a lot of the problems we're facing right now is we're getting we've gotten to a point where where folks don't even even try to talk things over with each other. They don't try. You know, it's like the 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 forum for debate is, is completely gone at this point. It's just like both sides, complete demagoguery. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I, I'm really proud we did that. So let's, let's just start at the top. Um, and we don't have a difference of opinion about what happened with the storming of the Capitol uh, yesterday. I'm just going to say flat out from my standpoint um, is terrible. It's uh, it's unhelpful. It was embarrassing to conservatives, to Republicans, to the country, to basically everything. I felt like um, it was a, a really serious moment. And I don't want to be melodramatic about it, you know, because it's like, look, we faced a lot of serious and, and critical issues over the, the years and we've dealt with them accordingly. And I felt like we dealt with yesterday accordingly. Um, but I also don't want to diminish the significance of a moment like that because it means we're doing something wrong. Yeah. Uh, you know, like Holmes said, we're, we're on the same page here. Um, I feel like you had a, a protest where you had tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people show up. Uh, you know, you see these images of just a sea of people around the Capitol. And then you get this group of, I, don't, I, I can't even number how many there were. Uh, you know, hundreds, I don't know, a couple hundred, maybe a hundred, I don't know, who, who decide now's the time to start breaking windows, placing, you know, there were explosive devices that were found. Um, yeah, this break into this place and start just destroying shit. Um, you know, when we had spent all summer talking about the Biden riots and the need for law and order, and listen, you know, law and order means law and order. You have... Now, this large group of people who showed up at the Capitol with, with flags, uh, you know, thinking they were supporting the president when the president said everybody show up to the, you know, D.C., show up to the Capitol. And then the small group goes in there and ransacks the place. Uh, they need to be prosecuted uh, to the letter of the law the same way that we wanted everyone who was burning down cities to be prosecuted. Yeah, no, there's no question. There's something for me there's an added element to it. And I know the audience is probably not going to love this, but it's my honest take. And I told you I'd give it to you, but 
I, I have a problem smug in that the the group that ultimately led their way into the Capitol, and let's not forget, four people died yesterday. Mm. Um, so this was not a, a a show, right? This is something that actually took human lives. Um, but they showed up be, to hear the president speak on the mall. You know, mm-hmm. one of the most natural, cool, like amazing things you can do as a as a political activist is hear the leader of your party in the nation's capital on the National Mall. Yeah. You know, you've got the like, White House, you've got the, uh, you know, Washington Monument. It's incredible. It's an incredible experience. And, um, you know, unfortunately, the program was, as we discussed on Tuesday, full of inaccuracies about what is happening in this country and would leave a, a legitimately patriotic good person mm-hmm. um, to believe that their country is under siege. There's, I mean, 2020, everyone says it's, it was like a hell year. Like, I, I want to know how many folks in that crowd have had their business shut down or have lost their job. And I mean, like, think of the way that, uh, you know, you, you look at the newspaper and then one day uh, Andrew Cuomo says you have to wear a, a mask or you'll get, a, you know, a massive fine. And then the next day there's a photo of him, you know, maskless hanging out with people. And you hear about these politicians who are like, okay, everyone stay home, you know, save lives. And then they're out on some vacation. Um, there's a lot of frustration in America. There's a lot of anger in America. And, you know, I, what, what really bugs me is you had President Trump give the speech that he called everyone to D.C. for. And he says, okay, now it's time we march to the Capitol and I'm coming with you. And he didn't. He, he, he got in his car and he went to the White House. And so then th- this group of people show up at the Capitol and they're like, now what? And then you get this like small, you know, you get this group of crazies who decide, well, I guess it's time to fucking break the windows and jump in here. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's, and that's what happened. And I'll be honest, it didn't look that small to me. I mean, I, there was a, there was a group of concerted, uh, like a, their, their effort was to get in come hell or high water. Right. Yeah. Some I think so. Bulldozed I think so. the Capitol police, uh, which we should talk about for a minute. Mm-hmm. Some of them broke windows. Some of them were on a, 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 like a window washer and went up to the second floor and broke in. I mean, it was like, yeah, the, there were groups of people who wanted to, to cause mayhem no matter what they wanted to. And there's pictures of them. Right. And see, it's, here's the other thing that I hear. I heard like Matt Gates, for example, say it was Antifa. This is how we got here. It's not fucking Antifa. Mm-hmm. Right. We, in 2021, we have cameras, we have pictures, we have interviews. We watched all of this play out live. The guy with the horns the guy that's standing in the middle of the United States Senate chamber with the horns on his head, that guy's not Antifa. Mm-hmm. That, that he, he's a very well-known activist, right? Yeah. So let's, let's not pretend this isn't something because you know what? That's what the left does. The, the, the left spend the summer telling us that it was conservative groups yeah. who were infiltrating BLM rallies and burning them to the ground. That is not true. Yeah. Not and, true. And that division is just, I mean, it's, it's very obvious at this point. Um, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, 
Can like I, you've can gone I, on can Twitter. I say, can I oh, we got Duncan. Yeah. Um, just to piggyback off of Holmes's point there, I mean, the media excused those Antifa riots this summer. Mm. And a lot of people have been pointing that out today on, on, on Twitter. I mean, the media also poisoned these people's minds with all their Russiagate nonsense. Yeah. Um, let's be honest. I mean, it's crazy. And the media, and I think if you are a member of the media and you're listening to this, realize that those people who think the election was hacked think it because of Lynn Wood and Rudy Giuliani and all of that stuff, but they also think it because of everything you wrote in 2017 about how the election could be hacked. Like, there were so many articles. Uh, I have a little bit of uh, expertise when it comes to voting machines, at least in the city of New York and, and the voting process. And while highly inefficient, it is highly secure. You've got the paper backups on top of the electronic ones, but you had these articles saying that Russia can hack into voting machines uh, and just take over an election and Putin can decide who's the president. So when you're telling people this, I mean, there's no internet connection to this, this voting machine in, in New York City, but when journalists are saying, oh, you know, it'd be so easy to hack this machine and change votes and, oh my gosh, this That's must be how Trump was elected. It. That's yeah. That lays the groundwork. Right, right, right. And, and, you know, I think it leads to a larger point, which you know, it, 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 you would have to be totally blind not to be concerned about how different protests by different groups that become violent mm -hmm. are viewed and characterized differently depending upon your partisanship. Mm -hmm. it and that's what I think there needs to be. It's such a, uh, you know, one thing I think Tom Cotton really did a great job of is just the, you know, intellectual consistency. Like when he says that you, you got to call on troops, you got to get police to, you know, restore law and order. You can't put up with this. He says that no matter which group. That's Meanwhile, such a good point. Yeah. It's such a good point. He was, he's the, he's the one that everybody spent all summer calling a racist Mm -hmm. Because he said, you got to get the military involved. You got to you got to make sure to secure these buildings in these cities. You got to make sure they don't storm capitals. You got to make sure that that things are secure. And everybody called him a racist. So when he says the same thing yesterday, yeah, right. Everybody's like, well, Tom Cotton, a moment of reasonability. And then meanwhile, Vox, I'm I'm sure a lot of you folks have seen this image that was going uh, online. Vox had an article. Uh, from earlier, saying that riots are destructive, dangerous, and scary, but can lead to serious social reforms. And then, meanwhile, same author after yesterday, every person who forced their way into the Capitol should be arrested. It's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, how difficult is it to say that They got it right the groups, second time. They both got it right groups who riot time. should be arrested. It's, a, you know, commit crimes, get arrested. You know, you'd think that's a simple enough idea. We, we've, we've spent a lot of time on this program pointing out program Pro, me. the folks Pro, love program program yeah <laughs> we we've spent a lot of time on the program uh discussing media hypocrisy on on a range range of topics this one is obviously a big one yeah there's obviously a lot there was a lot um on you know post-election 2016 from these folks that 
uh, is pretty hysterical now because uh, it's a mirror image of a lot of the stuff that, you know, Trump and, 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 and his campaign were saying after the election in, in 2020. But I just wanted to reiterate something from McConnell's speech that I really found interesting where he said, um, you know, don't imitate and escalate what you repudiate. Yeah, it's uh, a good line. Something to that effect. And look, I, I think what the other side does is, is useful. Uh, you know, knowing the history of what the other side did is useful when we're talking about legislative strategy or precedence on Capitol Hill. Uh, it's not super helpful when we're talking about violence. You know, this isn't, this, this isn't fighting fire with fire. That's what I said on, on Twitter. This is playing with fire. What, what Trump did and Rudy did uh, and Linwood did was, was just wrong. Yeah. There's Period. no other way. There's no other way to characterize it. And, and look, I mean, this isn't easy to say about your own side. You know, this is, this conversation is a conversation not a single Democrat would have about them. And then that frustrates our people. You know, they're like, why are we self-critiquing? They never do. Well, you know what? The honest answer is because we're better than them, you know, because we want to be better than them. And, and that's why we are where we are. We had a, this is like the worst week ever. And it was cap, you know, we had this yesterday, which embarrassed everyone. Tuesday, we lost two Senate races to radical liberal Raphael Warnock and that sniveling credit card daddy using John Ossoff that lost the majority in the United States Senate. And like all of it's connected, you know, it's what you emphasize. We have emphasized for the last nine weeks that this is all about a stolen election that's not. And what it did is it had two candidates that were in Georgia that were pinned, they were hemmed in. Their only strategy, the only thing that they could execute in order to get to the finish line was to try to rebuild the Trump coalition from November as best as possible. They couldn't make their own case, right? Because if the best testing arguments, and I, and I saw a lot of polling in, this, in these races, the best testing arguments were all about checks and balances, right? Meaning mm -hmm. Democrats now control the White House, they control the House without these two senators anything's possible like that. The prospect of that was testing through the roof. They could never use it. And the reason that they couldn't use it was because the president had convinced the base of the Republican party in Georgia that he was still going to be president. So if you said Joe Biden is in the white house, you eliminate 30% of your base in an effort to get to 51 on the ballot. So it's a catch 22. I mean, this was, at best, a pathway to a two-point win if you could replicate the Trump turnout from November, which, of course, nobody can because, you know, look, you can say a lot of things about President Trump, but he turns out conservatives. Mm -hmm. He turns them out left and right. And there's no way that he's, he wasn't able to do it in 2018 for other candidates. There was no way he was going to be able to do it in a special election or a runoff after he was on the ballot in 2020. So, look, it was, it's just disappointing. You know, it sucks. And, and I, I thought there was a chance that we could win this just because of how bad the Democratic candidates ultimately were. And we talked about it ad nauseum on this show, but we didn't get there. And it's our own damn fault. In my view, it's our own damn fault.
Well, I just, uh, I just got pinged this story. Simon and Schuster has canceled the publication of Senator Josh Hawley's upcoming book. The company said what? it cannot support Senator Hawley after his role and has become a dangerous threat. Yeah, I don't care for that. I don't care for that. I'm not a, I'm not a fan at all. And I said this on Tuesday. I'm not a fan at all of what uh, Senator Hawley did um, in terms of his objections. And I know there's a difference of opinion everywhere on that. But but I hate when corporate America makes the decisions for yeah. I hate it. I mean, that's can't that's what cancel culture is. Is that man? That sucks. That's yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are, t- these are tough things, but I, I mean, you're looking around at the events yesterday and how they unfolded. Uh, a big question that everybody's having in Washington, D.C. is how people got in the Capitol in the first place. And yeah. you know, having worked there, Smug, for you know, 10 plus years, I was always operating under the assumption that the, the, the guys that were standing out with the submachine guns in front of the building mm-hmm. and the two people who were, were armed that were walking you through the mags, like, like there were, they were there. So if you tried to get past them without going through security, you were going to get shot. Yeah. And that was always my, I mean, it was a, in the most uh, crazy of times, the most amped up partisan of times that I was there, that gave me a measure of comfort because there was always a huge, remember that the, like the height of the tea party mm-hmm. uh, was, was, and, and, and then the height of this massive democratic uh, sort of anti-war crowd in the mid two thousands, like that stuff gets ugly if it's allowed to. So I always took a measure of comfort in that, but I felt the same way yesterday that I felt about uh, on, on nine 11 when somebody surmised that you can fly an airplane and ultimately did into the Pentagon. I just assumed if some airplane was flying into the Pentagon, it would get shot down. Yeah. You know, and I just assumed when a mob rushes into the Capitol, they're going to get shot. And it, it just, it didn't happen. And I think, you know, there's a couple not things. I, not, let me let me just clarify before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not that I'm calling. I didn't. I don't want that. I don't think that would that would be a good thing at all. But I was very surprised that the initial incursion in there wasn't met with more force. And I, I, I my my feeling on this is I'm surprised they were not better prepared. Um, when there's going to be a demonstration. Uh, it was tough for those individual Capitol police officers. You'd see video, you know, you'd have 50 people inside the building, you know, rushing, rushing through the halls. And there's only like one cop. There. One guy. It's like, it, whoa. And you know, here's the thing. Like I worked because I, I worked for McConnell. Um, we had a, a, a security detail, you know, large security detail the entire time I was working there. So I got to know these guys really well. And they're genuine to this day, very, very good friends. These are the best people you will ever meet. I mean, they are, they are so solid. They do an enormous amount of really dangerous work and they just do it without even blinking an eye. So putting them in that situation that you just described, mm-hmm. Smug, where you're watching on TV as one guy is getting backed down by like 500 people walking up the stairs horrified me. Yeah. Horrified me. And, you know, I understand that they've now, I don't know if the, 
sergeant at arms has resigned or if he's going to resign or, or how they're going to do it. But like, clearly this is going to change. Yeah. It has to, right? I mean, it's like the same way of how, uh, you know, when there were those instances of, of loony folks jumping the fence at the white house. I mean, now that the, the whole security situation there is complete changed. I, you know, it, it, they have to, because eventually you're going to get a left-wing group, mm-hmm. an Antifa-like group that sees what happened yesterday and decides that the best way to combat, whether it's legislation or you know, some nominee or something, is, is to disrupt, physically disrupt the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And they're going to charge it. And I just hope that we've figured out a different way to protect the Capitol. Because that's, I mean... You know, I think that brings up a great point. Is, so you see, uh, it's almost like there's this continuing ratcheting up uh, from all sides where uh, you, you, during Kavanaugh, you saw these images of Senate offices getting occupied. Yeah. And, um, you know, e- e- even on, on the left, whenever there's a protest, it's like, it, it started with Occupy Wall Street. It's like Occupy, fill in the blank. And the idea is like, if we can just, get enough bodies there. We can shut it down. We can get our way. And there were, there are probably folks uh, in that crowd yesterday who saw and, and were like, well, they shut down, uh, you know, they occupied to try to shut down Kavanaugh. We should just uh, uh, occupy the Capitol, not realizing, you know, Senate offices and the Capitol are two different things. Um, but it has to change. There has to be that security measure. So it doesn't, so no group thinks, okay, well, if we just get enough bodies at a place, we can have our way you know, we can stop the constitutional process of anything being done if we don't like it because we'll show up in force. That, that, that's essentially the end of democracy. It's, it's like even more than the Kavanaugh stuff, though. I mean, there was um, Maxine Waters. Remember Maxine Waters saying, you know, get in their faces yeah. where these people are, whether they're pumping gas or they're getting dinner with their family. Yeah. You know, basically... Uh, verbally accost, you know, people who work in the Trump administration, uh, you know, uh, Kamala Harris bailing out the rioters and the looters uh, with that Minnesota bail fund. Yep. Um, yeah, which, I mean, by the way, she's never been held accountable for. Never. Right. How, how the hell is it possible that she literally put together a, a fundraising for a bail fund that that like arsonists basically benefited from? Right. Well, they let out people who had... Uh, we're in there for like sexual assault, oh. attempted murder. Uh, and those folks got out by that bail fund. Never held accountable for it. I don't even think she's been asked. Has, has anybody no. ever asked her? No, no one's asked. And it's I, like, the, the, the other thing is, like, cause I, 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 I guess I see what some people have been tweeting all day, which is like, you know, if you're one of those people that was um, on the mall yesterday and you've been locked in your home, for the better part of a year and you see all of those things happen, you think, yeah, I mean, this is the way to get our way, right? Mm -hmm. It's like show up, uh, destroy stuff. Um, But also- But that doesn't doesn't excuse it, right? Like that doesn't make it right. No, it it doesn't make it right. But I I even think it's a level deeper. And this is where I put some culpability on the president and and on Rudy Giuliani and the liberal of the world is that- the vast majority of people in that crowd, as Smug pointed out, genuinely believe that their country is 
is not functioning as a democracy. Yeah. They genuinely believe that the vote was stolen because he, he continues to say it. And in fact, in my view, completely inappropriately continued to say it into the evening as this stuff was still going on. I mean, that's the thing is like after the mayhem, Linwood says like, it's time for Pence to go for a, a firing squad. Like this is the kind of like poisonous garbage um, that leads to, you know, if, if people believe there is this uh, global conspiracy that, uh, that Vice President Pence is a part of and he has to face a firing squad. I mean, and, the I mean there, were, there were explosive devices that were found. Like uh, there was a bomb found at the RNC. There was a bomb found near the Capitol. Um, I mean, people have, been, people have been radicalized, right? But, but my, I guess my larger point is we already know the corruption of Democrats. We already know the media's absolute unwillingness to acknowledge truth and, in fact, wage basically a culture campaign against our point of view. We know mm -hmm. those two things, mm -hmm. right? So there is, at this particular moment in time, this huge opening for people to exploit well-intentioned people to things like we saw yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I imagine every single person who's listening to this podcast has dealt with really serious, very smart people in their world at wit's end about why in the world are we allowing a stolen election to go forward? Yeah. Right? I, I guarantee you, I, I have encountered in the last eight weeks, some of the smartest people I know, some of the most successful people I know, saying like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, how could you let this happen? And it's incredibly frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating. Um, they're getting, you know, like you'll have Lynn Wood and Rudy Giuliani saying, this is a stone election. We have to fight. We have to have a trial by combat, you know. And it's, and I, so I don't blame them. You know what I mean? Like if you're, you know that you don't, you distrust two thirds of the information flow before we start. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you've got, the president of the United States who everybody was excited and voted for and has, has supported for the last year saying this is what it is, mm -hmm. right? You are not inclined, particularly in a, in a moment of COVID where you've been thrown out of your job, you're stuck yeah. at home, things aren't going well. You're not inclined to just sort of blow him off. You'll take his word for it. Mm -hmm. Well, we also, we also remember like in a lot of these people's defense obviously not the people who committed violence and stormed the capitol but people there who were protesting it was a weird election not weird yeah totally like it's just a totally unprecedented election because of covid we had massive um absentee and early vote and not as much election day and there was obviously a huge disparity in the breakdown of partisan makeup of those different buckets of votes yeah. and they were counted at different times. And so if you're looking at the screen, you're like, man, my man, Donald Trump, you're winning by six points. Oh my gosh. Now you're losing by two an hour later. How does this happen? Um, yeah. I understand that people were, were doubting that, but that's why we have a process post-election. And like right. I said on Tuesday's podcast, you know, and we were very critical of this entire uh, theater, mm -hmm. uh, this, this, this denying the certification, uh, on Tuesday, 
if you haven't listened to it, I, I recommend you go back and, and listen to it. Um, you know, but that's why you adjudicate this. And they did 60 times yeah. in a court of law, you know, and, and that process, those days and weeks that followed the election is supposed to be the time where people come to terms with all of the stuff. It was an unprecedented, weird, different type of election. But that's the time to figure it out. And it's not to let Lynn Wood run around for weeks uh, making up conspiracy theories um, and then getting people to storm the Capitol. That's right. I mean, and this might just be my personal opinion. Uh, but sometimes I just, I honestly feel like this election was lost in like the summer when he had these governors just willy nilly writing these rules of how they're going to have their elections. That like, okay, we can send ballots to anybody. They can arrive. Right. So-and-so date, you know, days after the election even happens, they're going to be counted. So, right. you, you know, know, we, you know we what said that too. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know what responsible uh, people do at that point, what attorneys do mm-hmm is they engage with secretaries of state and governors as they're putting this stuff together and say, here are my red lines, right? If you cross this red line, if you, if you by, by virtue of your own decision-making, decide that it's important to mail ballots to everybody on our registration list, regardless of whether they've requested one or not, regardless of- or If their address has been there. updated yeah, or if, who if lives that, there now. I'm going to sue the shit out of you mm-hmm. and I'm going to raise holy hell. Yeah. And that's, that's why you have to have people who know what they're talking about, yeah. who know what they're doing, right? And the president was just surrounded by so many lawyers who had no goddamn idea what they were doing or what fights to fight. I mean, quite obviously, quite obviously. You know, Duncan pointed that out on Tuesday. I mean, this is, look, this is at some point, it is about accountability. It's not always about what everybody else is doing to you. You know, you got to figure out how to do things to them, what, what's your advantage? Is, is your advantage that you have like four precincts in this county that ultimately have more Republicans and that's where you want the early vote stations to be? Well, that's a pretty fucking good strategic move. <laughs> Pull your head out of your ass and fucking implement it. Yeah, yeah. That's what you do to win. And that's what I, I mean, here's the thing that, I, that drives me so nuts about modern quote unquote conservatism, which isn't conservatism at all. It is grievance fucking politics. It is this idea that nothing good can ever happen to you. Only bad can be done to you, right? Get out of that. Pull your head out of your asses. This is, that's not the way it works. If you have a way to advantage yourself, do it. Make yourself smarter. Make yourself better. Get a little bit more educated on all of the things that matter in your life. It doesn't matter if you're in politics or not. It's not about what everybody else is doing to you. It's about what you're doing for yourself and your family and everything you care about. And that, that piece of it, I mean, that's why I love this program. We don't deal with that shit. It's not about what people do to us. And the result, of, you know, like, it's, it's honestly incredibly worrying what the fallout is going to be, what the ramifications are going to be of the way Georgia went. I mean, you know, we're going we're gonna to have Kamala with the 51st vote. That should be very worrying to folks. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was like not very long into election night where you had these like uh, dem operatives and, and thinkers saying it's time, it's time to pack the courts. Uh, 
and their side is ready. They 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 knew their game plan. They wanted to get all their you know voting rules of send ballots to everybody, don't check ID, uh, because they they had their eyes on the prize. You know, if on Monday and Tuesday night, if you were to tune in to MSNBC and CNN, it was all Georgia all the time, one Democrat op- operative after after another. It was nothing but damn propaganda, whatever. You tuned into Fox, and it was Josh Hawley talking about Wednesday. You, you, you looked at the energy online with conservatives. It was about the sixth and the protest in DC. Mm. One of the organizers of the protest organized many thousand people from Georgia. Did they vote? I don't know. I mean, maybe they did. They voted early. There was a a good early vote program. So I, I mean, maybe they all did, but the emphasis if you would have brought 100,000 people to Georgia to go knock on doors, we would have won two elections. Mm. We would have won two elections. You'd have a majority. You'd have the sanctity of life. You wouldn't have to worry about the, the Second Amendment. You wouldn't have to worry about all this, the things that are now immediately a problem. And it's just, it's that grievance politics mug. And I know I get fired up about it, <laughs> but it makes me so mad because it's, this is, stop being a victim. This is what the left does. This is what, the left has made themselves experts at Mm -hmm. is that if only the right when only conservatives just gave it we could be so great but they're just they can't you know as long as they're around we can't be there Mm -hmm. and that that can't be our view we're self-starters man we make this happen and and you know what when something happens to us we reach out and we help our neighbor and we get to the point where we can all get back in the same plane like that's the way conservatives operate. Mm. That's the way we need to operate as a party going forward. Like this is going to take a lot of work to get away and get, get into a different place than we're at today. That's my hope is because right now the left is, is hoping for and stoking nothing more than being like, oh, please, we need to start a civil war on the right. We need to get these folks at each other's throats. They're so excited. Each other. They, they're, I mean, you see them just pushing it nonstop. Like you had... You had the Lincoln Project telling people in Georgia, they were running ads telling people in Georgia not to vote. They really want to just like splinter and split conservatives. And, you know, if, if moving forward, we, we took the opposite tack and we were like, okay, we realize who we're really up against. We realize who is attacking our way of life, our ideas. That's where we need to focus on instead of following through on them trying to create a, a circle firing squad, you know. Imagine that outcome. I know it. I know it. Well, look, we, um, we promise, absolutely promise that next week we're going to get back to our groove, right? We're going to yeah. talk about, I've got, in fact, Smug, I haven't even told you this. The New Yorker is at it again. Are they, they at it again? They're trying to rehabilitate another sexual predator. <laughs> uh, and I've got a great, I'm going to go line by line through this sucker like we did with the tube and stuff. Because this go. is so good. I want to do that Monday. And, and we're going to get back into a groove where we're laughing again. But obviously, everybody can realize why this is not a laughable week. It was a good episode. I, you know, like, I, like uh, you said earlier, I'm very proud of the Tuesday episode. I'm proud of this one, too. And uh, I, am, I remain incredibly grateful to all the folks out there listening. Uh, so be sure to tune in next week. We'll have, we'll have more good stuff for you. But until then, minions, keep the faith hold the line, and own the libs. Stay ruthless. We'll see you next week.